Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. And we're on. We're a little bit late today, but that's okay. I guess the cold weather holding people back. 65. Yeah, I know it. Arizona, for Arizona, it's cold, though, I guess. So this is Tuesday night Torah study class. This is my last night for a substitute teacher. And then uh, Jerry will, will be taking over the, the helm as he is back from the land, the land of Israel, Haaretz. So that's cool. And we'll have some good stories, I'm sure. Well, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for this evening, for this time to be able to get together and to study your word, study your Torah, and uh, to go in deep and find a find uh, some great knowledge and wisdom from your word. So uh, we pray these things in the power, name, and authority of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Dave's here. We are in Exodus chapter 4. What happened in the previous chapter? Exodus chapter, that would be chapter 3. We heard about his name, the name of Yahweh, right? Jehovah. And then we found out that, uh, let's see, right at the end, Moses is kind of going back and forth about this idea of going back to the Pharaoh and saying, let my Jewish people go. I mean, let the children of Israel go. And... Uh, I went back and I actually looked how many times it says the children of Israel. There's like, let me count. Five times it says children of Israel. Twice it says the elders, elders of Israel. Once it says the God of Hebrews. Zero times it says the children of Israel. And zero times did it say the children of the church. So, got to find out who you're talking about here. Israel, Right? So, um, let me read the last verse. Of Exodus through Exodus, I won't go to the on the computer. Oh no! Wait a minute. We was chapter. And he said, oh, this is chapter 4, verse 13. Did we read all this? Did we finish the chapter 4, I thought? Do I remember where we are? 
with me? I'm sorry, Dave is busy in the back. Okay, I can blame it on Dave. I think we got the 413. Anyway, in 13 he says, Moses, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by thy hand of him whom thou wilt send. Which is like to say, I don't want to go. Right? It's at this time that finally the patience of Yahweh ends, and we can pick it up there. Who wants to read? Starting at uh, 4.14, till let's say 23. Anybody want to read? I can do that. And the anger of Yahweh burned against Moses, and he said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I, even I, will be your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as Elohim to him. We're going to read to what? Mm, 23. 23. You shall take in your hand this staff, which will, which, with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see if still, they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Now Yehovah said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt. For all the men you were seeking, who were seeking your life, are dead. Dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of Elohim in his hand. Then Yahweh said to Moses, "When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go." Then you will say to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But you, he, but you, that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Okay. I just want to make sure that we didn't finish. Did we finish? Start there, or did we? Just end at chapter 3. And you, Do you guys remember? He threw a rod down and they cast it on the ground. Did we read that? No? Mm. Let me go back and read this, just so I can, we can say we read it. Verse 4, chapter, uh, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, Behold, 
They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they shall say, Yahweh hath not appeared unto thee. And, he, and the, Yahweh said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground, and cast it, and he cast it on the ground, and said, And it became a serpent. Moses fled, fled from before it, and Yahweh said unto Moshe, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and became a rod in his hand that they may believe that Yahweh Elohim of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. I mean, I, I remember these because I was studying, but we'll all keep going. Verse 6, chapter 4. And Yahweh said furthermore unto him, Put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand in thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of the bosom. And behold, it was turned again as uh, his other flesh. And it came to pass, If they will not believe thee, nor hearken to the voice of thy first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, If they will not believe us, uh, but not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice. Thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou wast take of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Let's stop there. I don't think we did read this. So, how many signs does Yahweh show Moses with the intent of showing the Egyptians? Three signs. What are the three signs? Okay, the first one was the staff. Second sign the was staff, when, uh, which turns, it throws it on the turn, ground and turns yeah, it into, turn a, it into a viper a snake. Serpent. Second sign is when uh, Moses put his hand in his bosom and it was leprous. He put it in again; it became white as snow. Then the uh, third sign is when. He poured water on the grain, the dry ground, and it became like blood. And uh, further on, that this is what's going to happen to Egypt when uh, one of the seven plagues that the waters will become like. So these are going to happen. Just a note in the third one, it says, And if it shall come to pass, if they not believe also these two signs, Either hearken unto thy voice. So it's really three signs and what he and his voice what he's telling them what to do, then thou shalt do this the water on the river or the on the dry ground. A question. Go ahead. Why was it necessary for Amsterdam to give Moses the three signs? What was it about the uh the number three that uh would convince the Egyptians Pharaoh to let the people go? Well, when I always think of three, I think of completion and truth. Truth is established by two or three. So, you know, if you're not going to believe after three signs, we're wasting our time here. Any thoughts? Now, is he telling this to the pharaohs or to the elders first? Uh, further on the number three is it's for completion and the perfect witness of God. 
The completion, oh, that's what the number three? Right. And a perfect witness of God. Right. You guys remember, I'm trying to, let's go back a little bit. I'm just curious, is he talking to his, is he telling him to talk to the elders first? I'm backing up here on chapter. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he says go to the elders first. Yeah, he does. 18. Twenty-one, and I would give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And, okay. Okay. What is any thoughts on this? Like, can we do any symbology of what those? One of the ones I heard from Monty Judah was the the water turning into uh, into blood. He makes a connection between blood and wine. Is they're symbolic. So Yeshua turns the the water into the wine. He also heals the leper, right? What was the other one? The the rod. I don't know about the rod. You have a thought, Matthew? Well, the rod could symbolize the authority. Um and as as we know with the god or yeshua will rule with a rod of iron so there's it's like i'm coming in the authority of god that's the first sign then the second is the flesh and then the third is symbolic of the blood. Right. So it's Flesh. Like, yeah, the leper. Oh, the leper, right. Yeah, it has to do with the, the flesh. So. Um, it's interesting. The other one is the is the serpent. Yeah. The serpent is in the garden. Right. Messiah will overthrow the serpent. Yeah. yeah. At the end. Yeah. It's... So I'm curious because actually there were more than three signs that were shown to Pharaoh and they all had to do with the Egyptian God. Right. So in this case, he only gives them three out of the, you know, 10 or so plagues that were signs and immediately goes to the last one where he talks about, he doesn't, Give it. He talks about that Israel is my firstborn. Yeah, right. you just read that. that yeah, that's later on, right? Oh, okay. No, 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 no. That's fine. I, well, I just so, so I was. Ju- I'm. I'm just. It's interesting that instead of demonstrating all ten, he only demonstrates three of them. I suppose the rest of them had to do with actual plagues that would take place. So he's not going to do the gadflies or the nets, and he's not going to do all this kind of stuff, because right? Why give him those signs? Well, that's why I was curious. Who was he talking to here? Was his main audience the elders of Israel? Because they've got to convince him first. Otherwise, they won't. They won't accept his Moses' authority. Joseph. Oh, let me just say the word here for rod. Uh, mate, ha mate is the word. How it's used here. 
I I think uh, these three uh, the three signs the uh, the staff and uh, bosom and the uh, 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 water on the ground and blood those were to individuals where the uh, other plagues was to the nation of Egypt. Right. I've also heard that you can look at the plagues as three sets of threes and then the last one, the tenth one, the, the firstborn. Just hold on a bit, Joe. Uh, why don't I have some good notes here? So we did read. Look on the first, so sixteen. Four. Hold on. I'm just interested in these hollow tabs here. They shall speak unto him and put him the words in his mouth and become with, will be with, and I will be with the mouth. This is talking about Aaron. Verse uh, 15. So there's the of Tob. I will teach, so it says in the, in the King James for verse 16. You know what? I'm jumping too far ahead. Any other thoughts? I wanted to talk about 14 when he's, God finally gets angry with Moses. And the, and the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron thy bro, the Levite thy brother? I know him that he shall speak well, and also, behold, he comes forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So what is your thoughts on on uh, God getting angry with Moses. What does that say about Moses? At least at this part in his life. It seems like it seems like Moses here, after seeing a couple of signs, would have been a little more assured right. <laughs> of. of you know what he's supposed to do, and the power that that was going to be behind him, and uh, not so. He just kind of making excuses for himself, <laughs> right? And and here in twelve, Yahweh just goes into you know telling them who made your mouth and so on. It seems it seems like I don't know. Maybe he would have given him uh, he would have given him uh, the verbiage to be able to talk to. <laughs> the words to be able to talk to um, to to the Pharaoh, uh, right. to be able to act, but because he didn't have enough faith in himself <laughs> or confidence in himself, I think I think he uh, 
He chose uh, Aaron. Or maybe it's a helper. You know, it's the helper, kind of like Yahweh and then Yahshua being the helper, the one that he speaks through. Maybe it's the picture that we're supposed to see. Well, let me read Numbers 12, 1 to 3. And it's kind of related because it's talking about Miriam and uh, her... Uh, she, she gets the uh, curse of the leprosy. Anyway, Numbers 12, the first three verses. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married... For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath Yahweh indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And Yahweh heard it. And this is the verse I really wanted to focus on. And then parentheses, King James, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So it's kind of interesting where that comes up because it's talking about the leprosy, which we just talked about. But my point was, there he's talking about being humble. But I don't think this is humble, what he's doing here in Exodus. It's almost pathetic, if you want to be honest. I mean, it's easy for me to say that, not being in his shoes, but it's, this humble is, is to be pliable, right? You, you, you need to have, like the potter's, the, the potter and the clay. He's got he, he's to have, the clay has to be just the right consistency to it can't be mush, but it has to be something that, that he can work with as well. Well, um, I think there's two things that come to mind. One, I don't think uh, in his heart, I don't think Moses even wanted the job. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but uh, that leads into my second thing. If he's going up against Pharaoh, he Pharaoh at that time or any pharaoh is referred to basically the son of Ra type of thing, a god, uh, and goes up to that level. So it's like there's a level of intimidation there. Yeah, but he was in the, he was in the, it says later on that he tells them the people who are out to kill you are dead. They're, I'm assuming the pharaoh might have been one of them. I don't know. It might have even been that he was doubting his uh, spiritual preparedness. Because oh, yeah. at this stage, he's still kind of an infant, so to speak. Right. So, very well, that he was doubting right. preparedness to stay in, like. What I thought was. Uh, so, I would argue this thing with Aaron, that's like. That was plan B. Just like the Levites who take replace of the firstborn at Mount Sinai with the, the, uh, the golden calf incident, they take over the control of the firstborn. That was supposed to be their position, the firstborn of all the tribes of Israel. And Aaron wasn't supposed to be even in the picture. So I find that, I don't know what else to say about that, but it's kind of interesting how if you're not going to do the job, God will keep going and doing what needs to get done. Joseph? Yeah, I uh, I think through the years uh, that Moses, when he, killed the, when he killed the Egyptian, he was very, uh, his confidence was really high. And through the years, I imagine uh, circumstances made him humble. 
And uh, it's the way the drums lead. Uh, he says, uh, uh, please, my Lord, send whoever you will. And uh, it's because he, Moses said, I'm a man, uh, I don't have the, the words. So to me, there was a change of his personality through the years that he was one time was very aggressive, and now he's just the opposite. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, because he says, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Um, you know, and prior to that, he says, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past. Uh, so I'm, what does that really mean, slow of speech and slow of tongue? Did he have a speech impediment? Did he stutter? Or what was, has, any, has anybody heard a commentary on that? No. Anything? Uh, I mean, it's it, it's kind of open to discussion, I suppose. The 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 way, the way I look at his bottom line is, he's making excuses. God says, "Wait a minute, didn't I? I'm the crea I'm the one who created you. I created your tongue. I, you know, he's who knows. Was it really bad? Was it was he just making excuses? I don't know. Did he have a southern slang to himself or something?" Wayne has a red commentary on 413. Um, God desires obedience exclusively <clears throat> and can give whatever skill is needed. Um, so likely that's why he was kindled, because he can give whatever skill is needed. He was kindled? Oh, okay. Yeah, um... I think I think a lot of times, even in 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 life, you know, if you take us, um, usually you have a married couple, and then all of a sudden we're pregnant, and and then you're going to have children, and and just the thought of being a parent, I think just the thought of a new job that you that you know nothing about, you know very little about, although it seems like Moses, having grown up in the in right. the palace, right, would have would have been around uh, the knowledgeable people, the skilled people, the skilled talkers. <laughs> right. Um, it could be that once he went to, uh, you know, ran away, that he lost his skill, and it was it, it's hard to come back to that. But I think any time you, you come into a job, I, I know um, just from personal experience and having, having been around the people who get promoted and, you get promoted to a job, and 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 uh, at first you there's a little trepidation as to how you're going to accomplish things. But once you're in it, you know you have to do the job, and you have to make decisions, and you do, and right, you take charge, <laughs> right, and you have faith that it's going to work out in the end. Right? You, you you may stumble, but that's okay. You, you know you learn from your mistakes. One last note. This is really cool. Um, this was the fifth and last time that Moses objects to being made leader of the Exodus. He takes up the reins after cast his last. Right. I mean, I think some of them are reasonable. He's asking by what authority am I? You know, some of those were reasonable questions. I think um, it's interesting. Uh, in verse sixteen, he's. Uh, 
Henson uh, says he will speak for you to the people. Talking about Aaron to speak to the people, and it will be that he will be your mouth, and then you will be his leader. So it's like Aaron was the second in command. He had the voice, and he had the, all the other stuff that goes along with that. And then, but Moses was the leader. And I don't know how this plays in with uh, the president and the vice president, but uh, that's the way I read it. Right. And uh, I have in my notes uh, on this, Here's what my thoughts. Because of the complaint by Moshe, Yahweh puts a religious man in between himself and Yahweh. The point is that the priest of Aharon was not Yahweh's initial plan, but came to be as a result of Moshe's persistent arguing and complaining. Isn't this the, here's my question, isn't this the subject matter of Hebrew that everybody misses? If it is true that the book of Hebrew is about removing this layer, the Aaronic priesthood, away from us, then I would argue... We can then we can draw closer to God. That makes sense. The book of Hebrew kind of undoes what this. The book of Hebrew is arguing that this is what kind of undoes that with the Messiah. There's a all of Tav here. This uh, just look at these real quick. Verse fifteen. Uh, and thou shalt speak to him, unto him. Of top dash words in his mouth and become uh, will be with and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach the like this word teach I think Torah actually comes from that word ultimately I think and it says notice the strong numbers are the same of the all of top, it's et kem, and then et again. Uh, what you shall say, what you what you shall do. Where is it in the scripture about God will put words in your mouth when is that Paul or you know where that's at? I'll look it up right now. Okay. Usually, when when he said, um, I think. When he was telling them to go, there was there's two things. He said, don't, don't take two changes of clothes and don't don't worry about what you're going to have to say because his spirit is going to lead you into the, the things to say. Right. you have a comment, Joe? Or? Is, this, is this the same staff that Moses held up when he parted the Red Sea? I, think, would, you know. I would assume so. It's the one he tucks. God gives him the staff. That's the one. I, I would assume so. What was it? 10? Matthew 10? But when they deliver you up, take no thought. How or what you shall speak, 
For it shall be given to you in the same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. That kind of relates to this, doesn't it? Moses should have heard these words. And thy brother, not Aaron, shall deliver up the brother. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Paul. So in uh, verse 14, it says uh, regarding to uh, Aaron, the Levite, I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you. So I'm wondering if, since he said, I know he speaks fluently, whether or not Moses didn't speak Hebrew fluently, and that was what he wanted him to speak to the elders in Hebrew. And, that's, and you know, well, that's a good question. Was, was, his, was he more afraid of speaking to the elders or to the, 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 the Pharaoh? That's a good, good thought. The second witness to Matthew 10.19 is also in Luke 12.12. Uh, 12. Uh, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you have to say. So, I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna go back to that. But I'm, I'm wondering if because what shall I say to these people if they say who sent me? It seems like he was more afraid of speaking to the people and the his el- people. Yeah, the right. elders, the elders of Israel, and speaking in front of Pharaoh. Right, because. He's talking about his speech is not that good, but yet he's saying, "Why well, I know that Aaron speaks fluently. So was he referring to the whole Hebrew thing of being able to go, go to them and convince the people that you sent me and who shall I tell them that sent me and all of this stuff? I don't know. Could be. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. I wonder if Moses didn't have a problem with languages. Because sometimes when you have two languages, it's like, you're not you're, good at either one. You're thinking right. <laughs> it's kind of like me. I was I was raised with a Spanish being my first language, but then we were we were hidden ahead with a with a pointer for speaking Spanish, and so we were trying to teach English, but there was nobody around to speak English to. Right. <laughs> so you know, you get to where in the in the in the having knowledge of two languages, and and then later on, like Moses, he was raised. In the pal- in the Pharaoh's palace, and so he was probably don't speak that Hebrew. That's yeah. for the order. That's for those slaves. Yeah. What are you doing? And so and so, how did he? Oh, Hebrew must have been a second language to him. Could be. I never and, thought about and, it because and there's 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 a confusion that happens. I think, and I don't know. I don't know if it just happens to somebody that has a that's bilingual. Some people can really get into it. I know, like when I um, when I talk to Blanca, <laughs> and she's she's able to just think on her feet and translate right away, and yeah. it takes me okay. I got to think what this word is, and you know, there's no way you can say it. What's impressive is when people are like I've seen like uh, uh, Gordon Gordon Nehemiah Gordon. He's oh, just got the Hebrew, the Hebrew. Yeah, and he's he's reading it, but he's. he's you know, well, he's, he's reading it in yeah, normal speed, but he's, but he's telling you in English. Yeah, he's bilingual. <laughs> so he's yeah. reading it right on the fly. Yeah, he's got a command of both languages, and maybe Moses just didn't have the command of the Hebrew, or maybe he lost the uh, the Egyptian language. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Who knows? 
Because you're right, it, God does say, here's, here's your brother Aaron, who I'm assuming wasn't living in the palace, who, and who probably spoke Hebrew. I, I think that Moses was a Pharaoh, not only a Pharaoh, but of the Egyptians, because there was a new king that did not know those, uh, did not know Moses, and that uh, know Joseph. Yeah. The, the fear there, and I'm sure that the uh, present uh, powers to be, after the other Pharaoh died, that he may have influenced the people to go against Moses. And so that could cause Moses to be somewhat apprehensive, too, of uh, going to Pharaoh because he knew what has been said about him and what they were going to do to him. So that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a perfectly reasonable point, but why doesn't he say that? Why doesn't he say, why, why does he say, I can't speak very well? Because he doesn't want to admit what he had did 40, done 40 years ago, maybe. Maybe yeah. that men, <laughs> men's rea, and when you get that cloud over you, you don't, you don't think he good. Yeah, I think he was maybe trauma. It could be traumatized, you know. You, right. you got the, what do you call it, P PSD, traumatic stress syndrome. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> P yeah, yeah. Post. <laughs> yeah, and I think we find ourselves in the same situation when we're trying to <laughs> figure out what it says here, because we're. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're lost in the translation. <laughs> Even going through each word and, and trying to figure out what each word means, we're, there's still stuff that we might be missing. Right. And like you mentioned, you know, when, when, you, when Nehemiah talks, he has a command of both the languages and, and has a knowledge of the biblical language too. And you've got to have a knowledge of, of the setting back in, in the day. So I think there's a lot to be said even here for things lost in the translation. You know, I, I think we might be onto something here. As in verse 16, he says, and he shall speak for you to the people. He will be as your mouth for you and you will be as Elohim. Uh, because if I remember, and I could be wrong, when he was in front of Pharaoh, Moses did the speaking. But when he's talking about, uh, uh, you know, Aaron will speak for you to the people. So it could have been that whole thing about not trusting in, because, okay, he was raised in a court of Pharaoh, so we know he spoke the Egyptian language. He left there, he goes to Midian, he's been there for years, so who knows what he's speaking there. And now all of a sudden, you got to go in front of the Hebrews, and you're going to appear like an idiot in front of them because you don't even remember. You probably got a, a fifth or sixth grade uh, level Hebrew speaking ability or something. I don't know. Well, let's keep let's 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 look for that when we go when we start seeing the dialogue going along between the people and also with Pharaoh. Be good good thing to look for. Um, any other thoughts? see in uh, where does he say oh in verse 19 the Lord said unto Moses in Midian go return into Egypt for all the men are dead which sought, your, sought thy life so I don't know if that's Pharaoh or 
whoever. That there could be another pharaoh that's actually there. I just had another thought uh, that uh, the last verse in uh, 4 where it uh, says, and this staff you shall take in your hand. And then in uh, um, the verse four. 5, it says, the staff of the Lord. It reminds me of the Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff comforts me. And uh, evidently there's a significant in uh, the staff. Oh, yeah. Or also one could maybe even say that the Hebrew scriptures are our staff. Right. I have an interesting I have an interesting story about the staff. I, I didn't really understand what a staff is, but a shepherd's staff has kind of like the cane at the end, it's got that hook. Right. And um I went to uh, southern Arizona where there was a, a sheep, sheep farm down there during the lambing season when they're having the, the lambs. And uh, uh, the guy that owned the farm uh, was kind of nice, and he let me watch and explained everything. But uh, when they were trying to herd the, the, the lamb around, they turn that staff the other way, and they hook them in so that they can go in the right direction. And to me, that staff, you know, like, even though, even though, you know, it's something that looks kind of like it's going to hurt you. It doesn't hurt you. It just guides you and brings you back into where you're supposed to be going. Right. To, so you can get comfort, you know, like, like the psalm says. So kind of neat. So in here in 20 it says... And Moses took his wife and his sons, and they set him upon a donkey, and they returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. That's kind of interesting. Um, any other thoughts? I'm looking through my notes here. And Moses took his wife and his sons. So there's at least two sons. This is it. This will be important later on. Talks about hardening his heart. Where is that? Uh, I will harden his heart. 21. Look up those words real quick. Harden is Akazek. Ebo is heart. And then 22, I'd really like this because it's talking about the firstborn. And thou shalt say uh, unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Yahweh Israel. Thus saith Yahweh, Israel's is my son, even my firstborn. Now, I don't forget where it says, but he also says, he says that about Ephraim, doesn't he? And I say, let them go. Let, I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So we're going to hear about this later on. This will come up. Um, 
All right, let's go to, I forgot, how far did I, you read the, you read the right there, right, 23? Yeah. Can I make a comment on that word harden? Uh-huh. One of the things, one of the definitions is to strengthen. I've heard it thought that so that his heart wouldn't get faint and he just give in and say, okay, yeah, you guys go. Uh, the definition is to fortify, to strengthen, to encourage, uh, and several different words there. So I'd heard a uh, um, a teaching that uh, God strengthened his heart just to be able to endure all of the ten that he wanted to do because it was God's purpose to, to basically humiliate all the gods of Egypt. Right. And he didn't want Pharaoh to give up and give out before he got to do that. So he would harden or strengthen or, or, or the heart. So that definition that uh, Kazakh, Kazakh, that, right. Kazakh, that one, that's, that's some of the definitions that are used there is to uh, strengthen, to repair, uh, to, to confirm, to encourage, to establish, to fortify, and so on. You know, it's this is an interesting discussion too because some people can kind of get get weird about it. They say, "Well, he's denying him his free will," and I'm always an advocate of free will. I can't imagine being in the world where you don't have that. But even if he's not, let's say let's let's say God says, "Well, for this particular person, I'm gonna," you know, like you said, he's got, he's going to make decisions that he really doesn't have any free will free will over. Well, okay, that's between Pharaoh and God. What's that got to do with me? That if I that doesn't mean I don't have free will for anybody else. So don't use this as, as an excuse to say, well, I'm not going to follow the God who doesn't allow free will. Does that make sense? Well, <clears throat> I look at it as amplifying what's already in the heart of that, of that man. He may already have that pride, that uh, fierce determination, but in the sight of what's going to happen... I mean, it it would probably snap that out of him real quick. But no, that, I believe it's a amplification of a button or a dial that's already in their heart, and he's going to crank that up to eleven. He, <laughs> he knew how to touch his buttons or push his buttons, right? Kenneth, did you have a thought or <laughs> Spinal Tap Eleven, man? I think um, that uh, Strong says, uh, strengthen his heart. I think that uh, Fabril made a, you know, he has a free will, you know. He, uh, but God hardened his heart. And uh, anyway, because God could see, he knows the intent of the heart. And so evidently, because of this, Hamsim could see that Pharaoh's heart was hard, but God allowed it. It's like uh, Judas in the New Testament where uh, I'm sure that Yeshua knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. because he, he, he knows the beginning to the end. But uh, I don't think... Uh, Pharaoh would have rep would have repented anyway because this already was in his heart, you know, to do away with the uh, do away with Israel. Could be. I just I to me it's like I, you know, it just doesn't God Yahweh say I will have mercy who have mercy with. I forget the rest of it, but so he, you know, he's 
kind of the creator of the universe, he can, if he's using someone for a particular task, then that's fine. We shouldn't let that relationship, that thing affect what you ought to be doing. You, you be you, in other words. If you're Israel, then be Israel. Uh, let's see, where am I? Trying to get past this chapter here. Okay, who wants to read 24 to the end of the chapter? This, I like this part. Bizarre. Uh, four twenty four to end of chapter. Yeah, yeah. And him came to be on the way, in the lodging place, that Yahuwah met him and sought to kill him. And Sephora took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son, and threw it at Moshe's feet and said, "You are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me." So he let him go. Then she said, "You are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision." And Yahuwah said to Aaron. Go to meet Moshe in the wilderness. And he went and met him on the mountain of Elohim and kissed him. Moshe then told Aaron all the words of Yahuwah who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moshe went with Aaron and gathered together all the elders of the children of Yisrael. And Aaron spoke all the words which Yahuwah had spoken to Moshe. Then he did the signs before the eyes of the people. And the people believed, and they heard that Yahuwah had visited the children of Yisrael that he looked on their affliction, and they bowed their heads and did obeisance. Okay. I don't know, so a lot of people have comments, but when I was kind of really starting to study the Torah, and I remember going, I'm reading this verse, and it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that Yahweh met him and sought to kill him. That just sort of hits you like a two-by-four. Like, what? What am I missing here? <laughs> Isn't that strange? What is your, what's your thought? We'll talk about the last part about when he meets up with Aaron. I'm going to discuss this uh, 24 through 26 about Zipporah. First of all, who is, and it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that, the, that Yahweh met him and sought to kill him. In the English, it's talking about it would imply that he's talking about killing Moses. Go ahead. It's, would it be her son? Well, that's the not, other. It's either Moses not. or Gershom. I, it doesn't say who the son is, but I would say it's Gershom. And I think Gershom is the firstborn. I love the word Gershom. It's like it's the house of Israel. They're a stranger in a strange land. In the Amplified Version, it has in brackets, um, making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons. Okay. I don't know. 24. So, they know it happened in the lodging place. The Lord met Moses and sought to kill him, uh, making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons. I would argue it's, I'm just from a contextual point of view, I, I don't think it's, Mo well, let's say it was Moses. So what is, what, what is, 
Yahweh say about that? He says, you can sacrifice your son, but you have to do it the way I say to do it, which is through circumcision. It's a token or a symbol of sacrificing your son. Now, an eight-day-old son is clueless about what's going on, and so he's being physically circumcised, but I would argue Moses, this is an example of uh, circumcision of the heart. He's, he's getting this. He's understanding the seriousness of this, and that's how I enter into covenant with Yahweh. Is that too weird? Go ahead. You know, I, I'm, I'm leaning on the part that he was going to kill the son uh, as opposed to Moses because it seemed contradictory that, okay, here's the guy that you want to go talk to Pharaoh, now you're going to kill him. But on the other hand, why even mention the son if it had to do with, with Moses himself and then the uh, Zipporah getting very upset because of the fact that, you know, here it is, something that Moses should have been responsible for doing. Right. As opposed to... Well, I'm, I, I think it was too Gershom, but is he using Gershom as a substitute like the father does to, to, yeah. to, to, to Yahushua? I, I get what you're saying, yeah. And also the content about being the firstborn, if you go right to the very last verse... 23, and I say unto thee, let me back up, 22, and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let me go, behold, I will slay the son, even thy firstborn. That's the context, because the very next verse is about he's going to kill him. So can we say Yahweh is not a respecter of persons? If the law applies to the Egyptians, it applies to Israel as well. Right? Does that make sense? Well, this certainly kind of mentioned circumcision way before, you know, it's in the Torah that we call the Ten Commandments and so on, that circumcision existed prior to that. Right. Well, there's, we have this, the thing with Abraham. So Moses would have been aware that there's a time period that you have when you circumcise your son. So the question would have been, how long did he wait and ignore doing that? Well, and that's another question. Why is, why is Zipporah so upset about this? There's obviously a struggle between the two parents. Zipporah, though, isn't from Israel. She's the daughter of the Midianite. She probably thinks, this is crazy. What are you doing? This is, this is, you know, what do you, this, nobody does. This is crazy. And so the, the values of what, what's important is the struggle between the, the two parents. Does that, does that come out in these, uh, in these verses? So here's to the proper way of reading 25. Then Zipporah took a sharp knife and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, with a British accent, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. There seems to be two thoughts here about Zipporah that 
I don't know, looking at it from her perspective that she's afraid that she's afraid for her son. And so she takes it upon herself to do this command that Moses was supposed to do and he's not doing. Or the other one is that Moses is demanding it, but she's saying no and then finally gives in and gets upset. That to me seems the more reasonable one. How would you think out the first one? Because she's the she's, first one is she knows about him and now that he you know okay they're on this journey back to Mithraim, she knows that that's Yahweh supposed to has happen. selected him right. There's talk of the firstborn here being killed, um, you know, and that's what she, that's what Moses is going going to, to Egypt for, and so Zipporah knows here they are you know they loaded him on the ass here and um, of course it was um and twenty. And he's taking uh, taking the, his family to um, you know it's a big move, right? <laughs> and so I think she's she's upset. She's upset and fears that her her son is going to be taken away from her, and so she goes ahead and does the circumcising. One one thought. Here, let me give you this mic. Yeah, John, I think it's kind of, uh, I thought it was the man's part, the priest, to uh, do the circumcision. Evidently, she did it. Uh, she's the mother. But why was she doing it when it should have been a man's uh, place to do that? question and it's not definitive but the point was there's a I, it's clear a conflict between these two people and they're highly motivated because someone's going to die <laughs> if this doesn't happen and it just i mean i i'm kind of blamed it i i'm it makes more sense that zipporah is the one that's has a challenge with this because she's the one that gets mad at him and throws the you know the foreskin at his feet and says, and she's not, she doesn't, she's not in Israel. And we already assume Moses has already been circumcised, so we're, he already knows about that, I'm assuming. But the point is, I mean, the bigger picture I would think, I would say is, like I suggested earlier, Yahweh is not a respecter of persons. I'm going to go and apply these laws to the Egyptians after these plagues are happening. And the 10th one is going to be this, the killing of the firstborn. And if I'm going to be consistent, I've got to do that all the way through. I can't show favors to Moses. But he's not killing the Egyptian firstborn because they're not circumcised. That has to do with a completely different issue. So it's kind of like it seems disconnected from the Egyptian killing the firstborn, even though it's in the next, he leaves off with the firstborn, and all of a sudden now it's Moses' firstborn. And because of not being circumcised. You know what I'm saying? The Egyptians are, aren't, firstborns aren't being killed because they didn't get circumcised. It's a whole different reason. Well, they're not getting circumcised because... They're... Well, that's a good question. Did, did they know that on the 10th plague that the first firstborn are going to die if you don't have the, you know, the... The, the the remedy 
for the angel of the death, the angel, the death angel, if you will. So, and I think, I mean, I'm assuming Gershom is the firstborn. There's a, there's a legal matter too, too, in that by killing the firstborn, I would argue that they have, if they're not going to do the 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 substitute, they're going to, they have control over the other ones in Israel because the firstborn has the birthright. Anyway, my thoughts on it. Margaret? I'm thinking the whole the whole thing about the move is the big thing. The move, okay, we're moving, we're moving. Is there circumcision in the middle no, of this we're, move? We're moving to, to join these Hebrews. Oh. <laughs> okay, and now we're going to have to be Hebrew-like, <laughs> and circumcision is part of that Abrahamic. Well, if Moses, yeah. it depends on where the when the child was born, I guess. Right. If he's only eight days old, that's the time to do it, yeah. right? That's what the commandment is with Abraham. Supposedly, that's what happened with Moses, and he and he's been circumcised. We assume, reasonable assumption. But it's during the move that this happens, and you know, it's it's kind of like we're not turning back. I well, don't know. There's a lot of different things that can come into play. I don't know. I'm just trying to put in the context. The big picture is the firstborn are going to get wiped out if they're not following the commandments. That's who ends up. And it could be. It could have been sons of Israel that didn't follow the 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 remedy, the 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 blood on the the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They didn't follow the the laws as well. Then they, I would assume, they were killed as well. The firstborn. Anyway, any other thoughts? We can keep going. It's kind of interesting here that that Yahweh goes to the to the last remedy here. Not you know he he skips over all the plagues and goes right to the to the very end, the one that's gonna the one that's gonna do it. The big one. The big one, right? Right. And uh, you know, forget the frogs, the lice, the hail, the everything else, the darkness. This is this is the big one. Right, so it's it's putting emphasis on this story, on this conflict, wouldn't you say? Okay. I think it all boils down to obedience again, and Moses knowing better, he should have been obedient to that circumcision process, and so I think it, even though it trails the threat to the Pharaoh's firstborn, I think it's of a separate matter that he was dealing with that should have adhered to what he knew when it comes to being obedient son like about, um, being Hebrew because you know, they're headed into the land of Hebrews at that time period Hebron or what was the northern part oh Gersh uh Goshen? Goshen, yeah. They were headed to Goshen. So I think it was why it was such a big deal is the fact he didn't obey and the fact that they were going to Goshen to speak with those elders. That would have been even subject matter for them to check up on, but but, uh, I think it's imperative to cover all the bases before they got to that. 
um, uh, the person you need to make sure you're in alignment with is Yudevave. And he says, on the eighth day, you're supposed to, that's the sign of the covenant. How can I, you're not in covenant with me if you don't do this. You're, you're not showing respect for the, for the covenant. So that's why, and, and the fact that it's referencing the firstborn is uh, why I'm looking at it that way. All right, let's keep going. We're running out of time here. Now, I had an interesting note that the circumcision is, is plural. Where is that? L-M-N-O. It says rights, rights of blood here on, um, on 25. Hmm. The King James says, Surely you are a husband demanding the rights of blood. Surely um, a bloody husband art thou to me. Where is that? I thought that's... 25. Where? Looking at Rights it, I don't. Blood. What is what is others? What does somebody else's version say? It looks rites of blood, where you're talking about the firstborn here and what was going to happen, and uh, also the blood shed during circumcision. So that King James, the King James version. I'm looking at twenty six. Trying to find the word circumcision. Uh, lam mulet. Or lam mulot. That sounds like a circumcisions. Plural. Joseph has a comment. And it's only used That's once. the note I have. Zipporah says, the, here's my notes. Zipporah says his bloody husband phrased twice. Also note that it says circumcisions, plural. This is the only time that this Strong's that definition H4139 for circumcision is found from uh, H4135. Only use one. Didn't uh, Paul have a uh, question back in the New Testament? I think it might be Galatians uh, uh, with the problem with the the topic of circumcision. I'm glad you brought that up. So let me ask you a question. Was the, was the controversy about the covenant with Abraham for an eight-day-old son? No, I know, but who, who, who were the people that were, that were, the conflict was about, and when Paul's talking about the, the, what is it called, the party of circumcision, was it eight-day-old sons? You're talking New Testament, Paul, right? Right, right, right. Um, the debate, yeah, was uh, the circumcised heart versus the physical circumcision. Um, and that's where uh, it was for Gentiles to, to have a circumcised heart, not the Well, I, I, asking, I might have. No, no, well, I guess what I'm getting at is, I don't think it was the controversy about, if you're going to be with us in Israel, and you have a child, and it's an eight-day-old son, there's no controversy about whether you, that child gets a circumcision, I would say. That wasn't the controversy. The controversy was 
The converts, these older, you know, men that can make uh, decisions, what, what do we do with those guys? Like the house of Israel, what do we do with these guys that have been out uncircumcised, not following the Torah? Do you ever, do you ever think about that? The, that's not what Paul's, Paul's not talking about. This is not, a, uh, not the context, I would say. Well, there was um, um, part of uh, uh, the Jews that were going against um, the Judeo-Christianity that was growing at the time, and part of their burdensome laws that he was referring to was it had umbrellaed under that was they were pushing circumcision as a salvic issue. Right. And so uh, when Paul addresses it, when all of them agree on, on not being a salvic issue to where it was more required the circumcised heart, the circumcised inward part, instead of the physical circumcision, which is part of why um, uh, one of the Roman soldiers that and, and Yeshua had healed his son, go home and surely, I forget the guy's name, wrote in with the centurion. The centurion. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm, but, I mean, that's one of the big controversies in Christianity. What about circumcision? And I think the context that Paul's saying, I'm repeating myself, but it's talking about grown men that are, that are deciding, I want to be in covenant with Yahweh. If you're going to do that, and you have an eight-day-old son, you know you 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 have a child coming, and he's born, and it's the eighth day, and you're saying you're Israel. Why wouldn't you circumcise that eight-day-old son? Well, there's the, no controversy, and Paul's not. That's Paul's not. He's talking about the converts that are coming over themselves, yeah. the the grown men. Yeah, I, does that make sense? Makes sense. Um, part of with the centurion, uh, he was Jewish in every aspect with keeping the feast. Keeping it was the a Yahweh fear. Uh, it was a Yahweh fear. And, and so the only thing that he lacked was the physical circumcision of it. And if he had gone through physical circumcision, he would have lost as far as his Roman moment. So he yes. would have lost land. He would have lost all of his rights, his wealth. He would have lost everything. I never heard of that, but it could be. I don't know dug into it like extensively on I always thought that circumcision was a sign of setting apart uh, that was a uh, the difference between uh, Israel and the Gentiles it was the circumcision that put them apart from the Gentiles just like the Shabbat is right it's a sign so I don't know. I, I would assume that the centurion, if he was in a situation where he had an eight-day-old son, and he's trying to do the, trying to be in alignment with with Adonai, unless there is some draconian reason why he couldn't do it, my argument is he would he would do that. Paul's not because Paul's not talking about that. He's not talking about whether or not you should apply that law to eight-day-old sons. He's talking about the converse. I know, I'm being a dead horse, so. Anyway, just something to, something to think about. Uh, I looked up this word. It's only used once. You're right. Does it say plural? Well, it's got that ode on the end, so... Uh, 
Well, my notes talking about circumcision. I, I think the blood is is the plural. I have here a version. I don't know what it is, but it's Hebrew. Li ata damim, where blood is the is the um, plural. Yeah, the King James says bloody, so it said rights rights of blood. So it's hmm. kind of trying to translate the plural blood. All right. Let's, if there's any other thoughts, I want to talk about 31. This is interesting. Okay, so let me read 29 through 31 again. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron, this is after Zipporah, the incident with Zipporah. Now, just I would say after this thing's happened, he sent them back. It could be argued that he sent them back because we'll, late, we'll read later on in Exodus 18 when, the, when Jethro shows up again. If you want to read the first eight verses of Jeth, uh, Exodus 18, it, it clearly implies that he's bringing them back. So maybe just Moses went from this point on, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I want to read 29 to 31. And Moses and Aaron went to and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all these words which Yahweh had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed, and, and when they heard that Yahweh had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. If you look up the word uh, believed, hmm? And they looked on the affliction, and they bowed their heads. And well, Tim, I don't have it on here. And look, believe. Very first word. Believe. Oh, believe. What do you? What? What English word do we use? To get out of that. You see? Bliamem. Huh? Believed. Yeah, it's here. I'm looking at it on the, and the whole and its context here. It's ba ye amen. You hear that? Amen. Oh, amen. They said, Amen. Well, yeah, Amen, anyway. I think that's, you go look that word up, that's what that is. That's what we, that's a word that we use, it's a Hebrew word. The word. What's that? Yeah, that was the word. How much time have we got left? Ten minutes. They didn't believe until they saw the signs. After they saw the signs, they believed. Well, they believed for a while until it got tough. Then they, uh... Right, so he did, Moses did the signs, is that what? Yeah, so I'm assuming it's the three signs. Question back here. Um, this is uh, off topic, but uh, where was uh, Jesus for uh, 17 years uh, after, and then he came back? Where was he? Oh, you're talking about like the... He, he came back, 
and uh, then he got crucified. But uh, before that, he was a little kid, right? And then those those years in between, does well, it- he went to Egypt. He went to Egypt, and it, there's, there's an interesting parallel because the sons of Israel are leaving Israel or are leaving Egypt to go to the Promised Land, and and Yeshua is being threatened by. Huh? Herod. Herod the Great. Herod. So, yeah, it's an interesting. Is that what you're referring to? The 17. His ministry doesn't start until he's 30, is what I understood. So I don't know how long he stays in Egypt. Is it, uh, when did he leave to Egypt? Like, when he was one or two? I don't know. He was a child, very Uh, young. Well, he was in Egypt until he came back. I'd have to go look. I don't know when he, when he, because there's a couple years in the Bible that don't talk about. Yeah, there's a know. lot of there's a lot of apocryphal books or whatever that you know the Book of Thomas. So he went to India or whatever, and yeah, I don't know. That's too far off content. <laughs> too far off. No, that's all right. The, the the thing about Egypt is a good connection, though. I don't know. I mean, we're not. This is we're studying the Torah. We're studying the first five books, and we try to. I think uh, talking about when Mary and Joseph left Egypt, uh, Yeshua was an infant, right? Because of the uh, because Herod was seeking to, he had heard, and he was seeking to kill him, and so that's when the angels of the Lord spoke to uh, Joseph and Mary, "Don't go this route. Go that route." Right. The wise so, men came and. Told him of what? So, Yeshua uh, had to be an infant at this time. I don't think he was just born. He was probably a couple years old. Right. All right, let's read verse 5. Or at least get into it. The first five verses of verse 5. Who wants to read? When he was 12 years old, he was in the temple uh, confronting or arguing with the Pharisees, the scribes, or sages. Right. But so uh, if he uh, was a two or three-year-old, a two or three-month-old baby leaving Egypt in the, uh, the years that were between that until 12 years old, and uh, he might even been 10 years old before he went into the temple at 12. He could have been there to get his circums or his uh, bar mitzvah. Son of the law, bar mitzvah. All right, first right, let's read the first five verses, and then we'll quit, I think. And afterwards, Moshe and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, Thus said Yahweh Elohim of Israel, Let my people go, so that they celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is Yahweh, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, nor am I going to let Yisrael go. And they said, The Elohim of the Ibrim has met with us. Please, let us go three days, journey into the wilderness, and slaughter the Yahweh Elohim, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the sovereign of Mishraim said to them, Moshe and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, See, the people of the land are many now and you make them cease from their burdens. 
Thank you. Any thoughts on this last, in our last few minutes? I guess we can go a little bit over since we start a little late. But any thoughts on this? This is my, uh, I switched over to the, my article that I wrote up on this for this Porsche. And uh, he says, and afterward Moses went, let my people go that they may hold a feast. Unto me in the wilderness. And Yahweh, and who, oh, and Pharaoh said, Who is Yudhevavhe? That I should obey his voice, let Israel go. If there was many gods in, in Egypt, right? He could have said, I'm looking at the registrations, the regist- our registered guy. There's no one named Yahweh. Who is this? Is that possible? Do you have a comment? Yeah, even to the point since Pharaoh himself was supposed to be a god, right? Uh, he's looking at it and say, why would I even obey his voice? I don't know I don't him. know this guy. I don't know him. And um, so one of the questions I might have is, I know what feast were they going to hold that was already there. What was the feast? Because it's on a Agados, right? It's going to be a solemn set-apart festival. Right. What feast would that line up with? I would say Passover. So had they celebrated well, Passover actually, prior to being actually Passover? Actually, it, it might be Shavuot. Probably would be better. Well, it was only supposed to be three days. So could it be in first fruits? They're going to three days journey. Right. Aren't they? They're going to three days journey. But they're going to do it right at the Passover, right at the... There's only... There's only... Uh, the feasts are the ha- the hog hogs. They're the high days, usually of uh, unleavened bread, aren't they? Unleavened bread... Uh, and the only thing that comes before Passover is um, the new moon. That's not a that's not a hog. It's a moedim. But on the first on the first Shabbat of the week, isn't that first fruits? They're only going to be there three days. That's what they say, and they're going to celebrate this thing. And if they leave, like well, we understand that the the, <coughs> the day of unleavened bread well, it, before the the festival of of Pesach, of unleavened it, bread, it actually says three days journey as opposed to the festival only lasting three days. It says three days journey. Right. So if but it was in the middle of the long. week. And the first Shabbat is one of the, is one of those. That's what they're talking about. The, the first Shabbat that you come to during that that Passover when you start the counting of the Omer. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I don't have a good answer to that. Maybe we'll ask Jerry when he comes back. He'll know. He knows everything. I think I have one more thought I wanted to talk. Oh, this is kind of an interesting word. Uh, and they said, 
the God Elohe of the of the Hebrews, Havarim, hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. And the word there is na, which I think means please in Hebrew. So he's not like, you will do this. He's asking, please. Three days' journey in the, in the desert. What do I have about that? Well, this is another interesting word here. Uh, Sacrifice unto Yahweh our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence. The word here is ba-dever, uh, which is a lot like the word debar, which is, means word. Um, it's interesting if you look at my footnote down here. The strong numbers is only off by one. So the words, the word word in Hebrew is the same letters, root letters of pestilence. I find that interesting. Like if you speak words, if you speak evil of people, it's like you're bringing pestilence. I don't know. I'm just making a connection. Not, not, that? Yeah. You want to see it in the in the Hebrew, the actual Hebrew? You want to see where I was? Yeah, that's that's the bar right there. Dalit bet race with the pataz at the end. Da bar. And here it's Dalit bet or vet resh. Dalit bet resh, but with the uh, with the other vowel points, dever should be a v. Anyway, that's all I got. Any other thoughts before we wrap up? No. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the evening together to, that we had to get together and to study your word. I hope it was edifying. I pray that uh, everybody has a safe trip going home and get blessed the rest of the week. And when we see you all together, maybe on Shabbat, pray these things in the power, name, and authority of your Son. Yehoshua, Hamashiach, Amen.